Well, you certainly know how to compliment a woman. Well, if you'll excuse me. Do you know who I am? No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? People know me. Well, I'm very happy for you. is Friday Game Changers, taking your business to the next level. Coming up on Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Every uh, condition of the body, physical or psychological, there's a unique energy pattern it creates. So by reversing that energy pattern, then you can cure seemingly what's the incurable, which is quite amazing. And also... But if you stop, ponder and sit and wonder and why, you know, like you said, the time ticks, years go by with many people and they, they, then they have the wishes, oh, I wish I'd have done this and wish I'd have done that. The thing is to move your body, get your mind working for you, positive, positive all the time and don't stop. All of this plus a great elevator pitch from Divide By and music from Jen Jevons, the founder of Brisbane-based digital agency Pixel Palace and David Hernandez, co-founder and managing partner at Lotus 823. Call your friends and spread the word. Tell them that Kizzy's Friday Game Changers show is the very best you've ever heard. You're listening to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers, the world's number one business podcast experience. Listen, learn and innovate. Hi, this is Ray Zinn. Hi, I'm Jamie Martin from Ideal Shopping Direct. I'm Kate Bell, founder of Zipasin. Hi, my name is Eirik Eide-Patterson. I'm a co-founder of Seaborg Technologies. Hi, I'm Katie Farrell, transformation coach, founder of The Catalyst for Life. Hey everybody, I'm David Frangioni, CEO and co-founder of All Access IDA, Inspire and Develop Artists, and you're listening to Kizzy's Friday Game Changer. Check it out. Hello entrepreneurs, my name is Hernani Alves, I'm the CEO of Balanced IQ Leadership. Congratulations on your journey, it's probably a dream that you've been wanting to pursue for such a long time, and I can tell you right now, it's not going to be easy, and if you talk to these successful entrepreneurs, they're going to tell you the journey is not easy, but it is a fun journey as you're going through. So, wanted to give you some advice on things that you should really do along this journey, and it's balanced accountability. So it starts with, there's three P's. So just remember the three P's. The first one is personal accountability. Looking at yourself first. The most important person in your business is you. You've gotta take care of yourself. Make sure you're out there and learning new information, but also make sure that you're open to feedback from your team and go into these meetings listening. Your idea isn't always gonna be the best one in that room, that's okay. Make sure you're able to listen and gather all those ideas so then your team can go out there and execute and they have that ownership. That's the first P. The second P is positive accountability. 
catching people doing things right. Don't be that gotcha manager or that seagull manager where they just kind of come in, they poop on the on whatever's going on and they take off. That's a gotcha manager. What you want to do is go in and catch people doing things right and magnify that. Because once you magnify that positivity, that's what starts to take your company from good to great. And more and more people will want to get that recognition. And then the last and final P, performance accountability. This is the big one. This is where most leaders directly want to go to first. But first, before you do that, you got to do your personal accountability and your positive accountability. Performance-based accountability, what that is, it's having a metric, something that you can measure. So anything that you're going to roll out in your company initiatives, can you truly measure it? Do you know if you're succeeding or not? And make it a public scoreboard. Make it a public scoreboard for yourself, for your employees, so they can see exactly where they're at all times. You can praise the ones that are doing well. And then the bottom performers, you're going to go in there and coach them and improve them to get to that next level. And they will appreciate that feedback. Well, congratulations, entrepreneur. Enjoy this ride. It will be quick and fast and very rewarding. Welcome to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers with your host, Kizzy Quatcha. The show for innovators and motivators, people just like you. Kizzy is the publisher of Business Game Changer magazine and the property investor, editor of the successful Women in Business book series and the best-selling Every Entrepreneur's Guide series. Every week, Kizzy and his guests provide you with the tools you need to take your game-changing business to the next level. Listen, learn, and innovate. Now meet your host, your mentor, and your fellow game changer, Kizzy Quatcha. Hello and welcome to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. This week I'm joined by Les Flickcroft, an incredibly gifted trainer, presenter and practitioner of pranic healing. Now last year, Les was nominated as one of the world's top 10 energy healers by the Energy Healing Magazine and he's dedicated his life to teaching and spreading the message behind his work to as many people as possible. As well as being a busy lecturer and full-time pranic healing instructor, Les has a thriving healing practice and he's been responsible for healing thousands of people with a multitude of ailments. Now in just a few minutes, I'll be talking to Les Flickcroft to find out how you can benefit from energy healing in your life. Take the cat out, lock yourself in and sit back because it's Friday. I'm Kizzy and this is Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Listen, learn and innovate. Hi, I'm Dr. John Martini, and you are listening to Kizzy's Friday's Game Changer. Hello and welcome to the show. This week's guest, Les Flickcroft, holds a unique position when it comes to empowering people to create better, happier and more successful lives. He's the director of the Institute of Panic Healing for the UK, Ireland, Gibraltar and Costa del Sol and travels, talks and teaches across the UK, Ireland and Europe. Les, it's amazing to have you join me. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you for welcoming me on your show. I'm absolutely fascinated by your story, your, your story of personal transformation. Les, you started off as an aerospace engineer, and I know that at that time, you were quite, let's say, sceptical when it came to things like energy healing. And then you had an accident which left you with two broken arms. Tell us the story. Uh, yes, indeed. Yeah, uh, yes. My background's engineering, and um, uh, I was I was brought up in a, an environment where you know just normal life, and I educated in aircraft engineering, which I'd done for over twenty years. 
Um, and then I was involved with a serious accident, which, um, I, as I say, I broke both of my arms, but my left arm um, was rendered paralyzed. Unfortunately, they operated on five times um, to save my arm, which was great. I, they saved it. But the specialist said, unfortunately, the nerves were so badly damaged that I would never get my arm back. So then I was actually still working on the aircraft. And so um, <clears throat> a friend of mine was um, doing healing. She had done various types of healing modalities around. And I never, ever believed in any of it. I, you know, I just thought it was hocus pocus, never believed. Um, and then obviously having this accident and having this problem, um, she had said that I discovered this amazing new um, innovative uh, techniques and I should go over there and the great grand master of all this was, it was actually in the US at the time, was coming over and um, you should meet him. So I'm thinking, okay, fine, I'm going to go and see this Chinese man for maybe a healing or something, you know, and I needed a holiday. This is honestly how I looked at it. I thought, well, I need a holiday. I need to get away. So I packed my bags, booked a couple of weeks holiday, went over to um, America. And um, the funny thing was that she had actually booked me on two of the classes, which obviously I wasn't too happy about because it obviously I had to pay for these additional things I didn't or wasn't aware of. But the great thing was that I met uh, the man then known as Master Chokuk Sui. Anyway, I took the classes um, and it was very logical anyway because he was a scientist and a chemical engineer. Took the class, understood the principles, um, felt a lot of things, validated a lot of things as I'd done. But then that's when he said, well, use this specific technique, which I also liked. Um, if you use it, you would get your arm back within six months. Well, for me, you know, I had nothing to lose, a lot to gain. That was the thing. So I started applying it, which you learn to apply these things on yourself, which I did. And every day I used it. And literally within six months, I got my arm back. Um, I got all feeling back, movement in my arm, fingertips, everything came back, which was incredibly miraculous. But even at that stage, being a sceptical person, I still didn't believe that I could do such a thing. So there was still a bit of um doubt should we say in what i'd done then from that my dad had a um a serious heart attack and he couldn't walk you know a few feet he was in a very very bad way so i asked him that you know i apply these techniques and they're very case specific so like a heart attack um heart disease there's a a, a literal a technique that you apply with that so that's what i did I applied it, although he was looking at me and thought it very, very odd. But within two weeks of me doing this, he changed a lot. You know, he could breathe properly, he could walk, he could do things, wasn't getting out of breath. And so it improved and improved and cut us, you know, quite a relatively uh, short story. Within 12 months, he had another heart check and they found medically there was absolutely nothing wrong with his heart. And a year before, he had a serious heart attack. They said that his heart was so badly damaged that he may not live or survive over 12 months. So the more things I did and worked on with friends, family, colleagues at work that were highly sceptical as engineers, 
all of these techniques just kept working and working and working. So bit by bit, my scepticism, if you like, my own scepticism just faded into oblivion. And that's when I knew that I had something incredibly special that I could apply on people. And, you know, 80, 90% of the time it was working. So it was an incredible journey up to that point. And it just got bigger and bigger as we went. I'm just wondering whether um, it would have been possible for you to have gone back to your career and working um, as an aerospace engineer if if you know that this practice actually works and it can transform people's lives. Would it have been possible to have gone back to your old way of living? Not once I got to a point. I mean, I, I, I literally carried on being an engineer for quite some time. Um, and one of, one of the funny things around it was, although it was building and getting more and more successful and, you know, I was teaching from, you know, 10 people to 20 to 30 to 100 to 500 to 1,000, it was getting more and more. And, you know, so it was growing and growing because there's many levels of this. Um, my wife wouldn't let me uh, finish or change my job because um, – Obviously, we had a mortgage to pay, children to feed. All of these things kept going. So I worked alongside with growing this practice um, for quite some time. So um, I've been doing it over 20 years, but I only uh, finished my career in engineering uh, just over six years ago. In the end, it just got so big that I just couldn't keep that um, uh, side of my career going. So... But it changed my life so much within that first 12 months, um, not only because I was helping others, but also you can turn this all on yourself. So not only I was helping myself physically, I started to help myself more emotionally, psychologically, started to understand my mind. My awareness started to change on how I was thinking, how I was think feeling in life. And then there's techniques applied, which is the psychotherapy side of this healing technique, where you start to help to remove emotions from your system. If you think your mind creates a thought and a feeling, thousands of them a day, and they just accumulate. That's what we class as a worry or a doubt or anxieties. So you can actually remove these anxieties out of the body. And my being sceptical, but also analytical, I found in the end was fear-based. That's why most people that are very analytical or sceptical, it's the unknown, isn't it? So straight away with people in the unknown, they dismiss it very easily or think it's quackery or work, you know, things that aren't real. Um, but uh, the great thing about pranic healing, you validate every step you make and also you can apply it to yourself. So it's case specific. So like I said to you with my dad with um, a heart disease, there's literally in the techniques in, in the books that you learn from, um, if a person has from a cold, there's a technique for it. And if there's a heart disease, there's a technique for it. If someone has anxiety or depression or an addiction, there's a technique that you use for that particular condition. And so the more I learned this, the more one of the things that he done as Master Cho was that he discovered that every uh, condition of the body, physical or psychological, there's a unique energy pattern it creates. So by reversing that energy pattern, then you can cure seemingly what's the incurable, which is quite amazing. You know, and as I say, you can turn this on yourself. 
seeking self-help. And that's what I did with myself. It changed my life considerably, very quickly. So how does pranic healing differ from other forms of energy healing, such as um, quantum healing, Reiki healing, and is it Qigong? Am I pronouncing that correctly? Qigong? Or is it Qigong? Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah, Qigong. But the, the, what it does, this is the thing, when people learn it, they don't realize how scientific it is. So, for instance, most complementary therapies or alternative therapies are a healing art. That means that a lot of the time you do, um, you apply a healing to someone. So it's like one healing suits all. In other words, whatever the person's got, you're like energizing or putting the energy in to help that person with that condition. Now, pranic healing is a science. In other words, everything is a step-by-step -step procedure that you follow. And there's a technique that you will follow in the case of, um, as I say, cold to heart disease to um, stroke or even cancers. And then also then psychologically, there's set procedures and techniques that you follow. So it's a very, very vast uh, technology, if you like, that lies behind quite a thing that's quite easy to learn for everyone. And that was what he wanted to do. He wanted to make it easy for people to learn, but then you applied a very uh, unique a uh, specific technique, if you like, to that condition, whereas other techniques and other modalities don't apply it to that degree. That's the thing. That's the big difference between them. That's why a lot of doctors and nurses and medical profession nowadays is, has learned it. I, I, I taught over 30 doctors last year. So a lot of doctors are looking at this because it's not just one thing that you do or apply. It's very case-specific, which takes it into a new technology, if you like. That's, that's the difference between them. I remember uh, maybe five or six years ago, reading a book called, I think it was called The Alternative, um, Alternative Sciences or something. I know because you had a chapter in it and I read, you, I read your chapter on pranic healing. And just to say, as a background, I knew nothing at all of pranic healing. I'd never even heard of it. But I read your chapter yeah. in this book and I remember thinking, it's, this sounds like real science. It's not about hugging trees and eating brown rice and hoping for the best. It's actually a scientific method. And the question I had then is a question I'd like to put to you now is, if pranic healing is such a methodology and it's actually a method-based systematic science, why isn't it embraced by the medical fraternity? Why isn't it the first port of call whenever somebody has a serious illness? Well, in many countries now, the medical profession are actually utilising alongside Western medicine. And that's the thing with this. It isn't, it isn't alternatives, it's complementary. You know, Western medicine has its field. Pranic healing has its field. But they're... Many doctors that are now applying it have seen the bridges and the gaps being filled, if you like. Um, at the moment, which is a very good thing, you know, we've done, because um, we have a charity side of this, uh, and uh, we've had volunteers go into hospitals, and we've been treating uh, medical staff for stress and anxieties and different things for quite a long time now. And many of this is one of the reasons why some of the doctors have actually, you know, started to look at it and employ it. But 
again, you know, because Western medicine in this country is the way it is, um, to bridge this, you know, they're looking for validation all the time, you know, a science, a validation, but to actually um, do the research for um, someone with heart disease, it takes a very long period of time. That's one ailment. Then you could look at it for a stroke victim, but then again, you'd have to apply an extensive research program to be able to then validate it to apply it. So we can go on and on. You know, there's thousands of conditions physically and emotionally. So this is one of the problems that is facing at the moment. And at the moment, we've had um, quite a few um, from cancer to back problems um, to gastro problems. There's already been papers written that science now have looked at it and said, yes, this does actually apply. It does work. So to bring pranic healing is alongside Western medicine is quite a complex thing will take a number of years because of the the amount of research and the amount of things that pranic healing can do. That's that's the difference because there's so many ailments. And also if you look at psychology and you look at Western medicine, there is still a big gap between the two. You know, Western medicine, if you like, are looking at um, damaged tissue or damaged nerves or cells. If they see that, then they apply medicine or treatment for that. Then you have psychology on the other side is looking at the, you know, the aspects of the mind where stress, depression, so on. But they don't join the links between them. But a lot of emotional content creates eventually a physical condition. So pranic healing is bridging those gaps as well, which at the moment you don't have that in medical and you don't have that in psychology, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I know that you've also taught pranic healing to alternative healthcare practitioners. What do you help them do? Well, with, um, say, massage therapists, for instance, what we do with um, or Reiki, massage therapists, reflexologists, acupuncturists, um, I've, what we've done, we've bridged gaps for them um, because where they apply, say, like Reiki, for instance, then the person normally or traditionally, it's a hands-on process. Now, it's over 250 years old or 200 years old. So applying a modern technique applies within Reiki, if you like. So it's like a bolt-on. So someone that does acupuncture, if they learn pranic healing, they can apply the pranic healing with the acupuncture. Same goes for massage. So pranic healing isn't something to take you away from your speciality or what you do. It adds on to what you do. So we found that people do massage, for instance. If they do the energy work, first of all, with pranic healing, and then they do a physical massage for the person, the results have been outstanding. So, you know, thousands of people that do massage have been taking pranic healing on board. Acupuncturists, the same. We've got many, many students that have come across, learned the techniques, at least up to level three, which is the psychotherapy. And once you learn the psychotherapy, then the person has no limits to help other people. And that's what the, a lot of people now are finding. It's quite incredible how it's helping in all numbers of ways, physically, 
and psychologically. Sounds incredible. Um, but back in 2015, you launched uh, a meditation on stillness for children, I think it was called. What is the meditation on stillness for children and why, why was it needed? Well, if you look at children nowadays, you know, with the um, technology and the stresses of life, not only with the children, but also the parents, you know, we're running, it's, it normally is such a fast pace of life nowadays, and there's more and more expectations that are being put on the children. So stress and anxieties and lots of problems psychologically is being uh, infused into children more and more. So one of the things I looked at is that there wasn't many or anything that would really help children to the degree of flushing emotional content constantly out of their system. So I looked into this and looked at a way to be able to create a meditation that was very short, but very, um, should we say, quite fast acting. So we'd done various experiments over a period of time, and I've got three children myself, so we looked into it in all sorts of ways. And then we come up with two short meditations, one for young ones, so three, four years old, up to 11. And then there's another meditation from 11 through to teens and even the adults can use. And then from that, we notice very quickly that children listening to it, even with children with special needs, it will quieten them down extremely fast. So um, even uh, several schools in, in Ireland and the UK then started to use this meditation. From that then, in few schools, even now, the whole school meditates every single morning when they're at school, that is, um, over the over the loudspeakers through the school. And so the children do a bit of exercise before they sit, they do the meditation for 10 to 12 minutes and then that's it. It's done. But they found that they're learning their behavioral patterns and also parents that have done it. Their sleep patterns has changed tremendously over that time so it helps to flush out stresses and strains from the children and if they use it every day a lot of time before bed they find they sleep better and they also behave much much better so it's it's working tremendously and now we've got it in uh, hundreds of schools all the way around the UK and Ireland as well. And it's got to be a welcome alternative to the uh, obvious solution of just prescribing chemicals to the children. Absolutely, yes, yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of time people that, you know, young children are hyperactive. There's many reasons why they become that way. And sometimes it's not always due to themselves. Sometimes it's actually due to their parents or their environment, something changing anxieties then cause the person or the child sometimes to be hyperactive it's not always one way so doing meditation you know and you know a few years ago meditation was not a really good or chosen word but now people are knowing that if they you do meditation techniques and even children doing them your mind doesn't stop creating thoughts and emotions through your life it's like a computer program so you need something to flush the emotions out of your system not to squash them or divert attention from so energy is everywhere so if you apply a specific type of energy it can disintegrate and remove emotional content within all of us which is needed it's like a you know rebooting your computer you turn it off refresh it and off you go again 
If you keep loading the programs, like in your mind, then eventually the computer slows or even crashes. There is no difference with our mind. And, you know, even in this pandemic, we're finding that, you know, people are starting to have to look at themselves, which normally we avoid doing so. This is why, you know, uh, lots of people are having a lot of psychological issues in the moment. So meditation is one of many, many techniques for people to apply children with the stillness meditation. And part of this teaching is the twin hearts meditation, which is a worldwide meditation um, that people apply. And again, it flushes, it cleans, it cleanses the system, and it cleanses the mind. So it's a very, very good thing to do on a regular basis. You can't argue with that, especially with all the evidence of how, how powerful it's been. Now, I know, Les, you've dedicated your life to fulfilling Master Cho Kok Sui's vision of having a pranic healer in every household. Is this still one of your goals? Absolutely, yes. And one of the reasons, like you said, that modern medicine um, has its place, pranic healing has its place, but if you think even in the UK, you know, during this pandemic, the amount of people, you know, one, they wouldn't go to hospital. Two, the hospitals were completely full. There wasn't enough beds or medical staff and people to help. It's the masses. So even during this period, one of the things that we've done, we had over 250 uh, uh, volunteers, advanced pranic eaters, that were helping people with the COVID virus, for instance. There was lots of other people like myself and many others that were helping people with many other conditions and problems. So if a person, you know, even one person in the household learns pranic healing, they can help themselves, they can help the children, they can help their husband or their wife or whoever they are, you know, they, then they can help their family. So it's a helping mechanism. So the more and more people that learn it, the more and more issues will start to go down you know conditions emotional problems as we've seen is high at the moment so if many people learn pranic psychotherapy you don't have to take years and years of study to learn it you can learn it in a few uh, sessions you use the practice you use the um, uh, the techniques that you apply them to and you can cure and help people with so many different things. And that's why so many people are taking on board. You know, and from this pandemic, you know, one of the things is for people to really understand that you need to look after your mind, you need to look after your body. And the amount of people that have come to see me just in my clinic, you know, and saying, oh, I wish I knew how to help my dad with this or my mum with this or my son with this. And when I give them the answer that, you can learn this for yourself. It's easy to learn. It's easy to apply. And once you learn it, you can help your son with autism or you can help your wife with this. You can help your husband with this. And it blows their mind when they actually learn it and apply it. And of course, what happens? It works. So if you imagine not every person or one person, every household to learn this, it would cure a lot of suffering in this world, not only in this country or other countries, literally around the world. It would help so many people. And that's why it's become a passion for me. It must be quite gratifying for you to see the effects of pranic healing on, on ordinary people because somebody comes to you with something that's clearly a, a big problem for them and within a matter of weeks, maybe months, 
you can see just how much their lives have changed. Oh, it's incredible. Yes. And one of, one of the great things that I really, you know, I still run my own clinic. Um, although I do this, uh, you know, with it, uh, teaching so much because I do really enjoy helping people that are in a, a really bad way or they've suffered for so long. And of course, as I say, you start applying these techniques and the changes sometimes, even in one treatment is dramatic. It's, it's incredible. And, you know, when I teach people how to do it, this technique, and we, um, we have like a membership program where we help people and we nurture them and help them so that, you know, that you don't learn it and off you go on your own. We help people to keep going. And then, of course, you get all of this feedback coming back that, oh, my mom, you know, my parents had this or my children had this. And I can't believe it. You know, I'd done this technique. I'd done it for a week or two weeks and it worked, you know, and it blows people's minds because it is real. It isn't fake. It isn't um, uh, the placebo effect that I've been said so many times. Um, it works. It's real. And even the placebo effect, if you think, how does your mind fix itself or the body fix itself? The reason why the medical will say it's a placebo effect because they don't have the answer of why a person is cured from something if they don't give them medication or uh, a certain treatment for, for that condition, but they still become cured. So they call it a placebo effect. But there is a curing system that goes on within the body. And, you know, once you learn all this, you know, it's hidden laws of nature. That's all it is that we still haven't discovered through medical science, but it exists obvious reasons. I guess the lesson there is that there's so much to the human mind and its connection with the body that we've still got to uncover. But let's hold that thought. Um, we're just going to take a quick break and come back to our conversation in a few minutes. This week's incredibly talented entrepreneur, this week's boss star is David Hernandez, co-founder and managing director of Lotus 823. Now I'll let David introduce himself and his two tracks, Living in the Wildlife and Legitimate Concerns. Over to you, David. Hello, my name is David Hernandez, and I'm the managing partner and co-founder of Lotus A23, an integrated digital marketing and communications firm based in New Jersey. We've been in business for over 10 years, and we work primarily with consumer electronic, home housewares, smart home, and lifestyle brands. Over those 10 years, we've been lucky to work with some amazing companies and uh, also have an incredible team. We've won over 40 awards and we're still going strong today. But in addition to that, I've been a musician since I was a teenager. And in the 80s, I had the opportunity to work with a producer in London, which led to other projects and working with other musicians, some of them that were childhood heroes of mine members of the Elton John Band or working with members of Squeeze or Mike and the Mechanics really was a childhood dream for me. That eventually led to me working with the Village People and co-writing and co-producing a single for them that was released on CBS Australia and eventually touring with them. Today, we'll play that track. It's called Living in the Wildlife. It came out in 1988. And we'll also play something more recent that I've been working on, which is essentially soundtracks for non-existent TV shows and movies. And this is called Legitimate Concerns.
all your friends and spread the word. Turn the Kids Friday Game Changers show is the best you've ever heard. Hi, my name's Andy Cracknell, Digital Awareness Game Changer Strategist at the GC Index, and I've been a game changer for 14,600 days. That's why I listen to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers.
I'm Brian Stolley, founding partner of Wildcat Venture Partners. Hey, Tanja Lee here, all the way from Melbourne, Australia. I'm a leadership and mindset specialist for real estate and property professionals. Hi, I'm Jonathan from Amplify. Hi, I'm Johnny Cohn, CEO of Payback Phone UK. I'm Kenneth Hafiano, the founder of Jogwefa, an ethical fashion brand based in Ho, Volta Region, Ghana. My Friday is never the same without Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Friday Game Changers, Elevator Pitch of the Week. Please stand back from the closing doors. Please select a level. Going up. My name's James Bradley, Director of Business Development at Divide By. Let's face it, most people love shopping online. There are loads of things to look at, from furniture to garden to hobbies and baby goods. There's a multitude of online retailers who will sell anything you want or need. However, it's not enough to offer your customers one payment option. Your customers want to spread the cost, especially on bigger ticket items. What's the answer? We think it's Divide Buy. We are an amazing small company backed by some big investors. You can add Divide Buy to your e-commerce site in under an hour and increase your sales by 20%. Need to reduce your basket abandonment or increase your average order value? Sorted. Our software helps retailers provide payment solutions where their customers can spread the cost of goods and services. Retailers that have switched to our checkout from a competitor have reported on average a 25% increase in their sales. If you're interested in learning more, please visit DivideBuy, www.divideby.co.uk. We can give you a live demo and go from there. Top floor, good luck. 
Welcome back. Before the break, you're listening to David Hernandez, co-founder and managing partner of Lotus 823. And I'm in the studio talking to game changer, Les Flitcroft. Now, Les, we're at my favorite part of the show. This is a section we call past, present and future. Now, what this means is that I'm going to ask you three hopefully insightful questions about your business past, your business present and your future. And if we get this right, if we get these questions and answers right, the answers will give us a unique insight into the mind of game changer Les Flickcroft. Are you game? Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah, very much. Excellent. Okay, well, look, Les, you've just got to close your eyes and imagine you can hear a clock ticking in the background. That's the sound of time passing by second after second. Imagine yourself traveling back in time to meet the young Les Flickcroft just starting out on his entrepreneurial journey. What one thing would you tell Les to make sure he does? And what one thing would you advise him never to do? One of the things I think that going back was about fear and procrastination. One of the same thing. Um, I wasted a lot of time um, waiting to do the right thing or waiting, if you like, to get recognition or understanding of others rather than just getting on with things and making things happen and move. That was one of the things. And when I look back, it was procrastination through fear of others' opinions or thoughts, which, you know, we waste a lot of time doing that. It's one thing to really eradicate and wipe out of your system is fear of others and fear of doing the right or wrong things. Because that's the only way to learn. If you make mistakes... You make mistakes, learn from mistakes, move on all the time. Don't sit, ponder and wonder or fear that outcome. I guess that the one thing that um, a lot of entrepreneur or business leaders have in common is that fear of failure. It's that fear of doing something and for it not to work. How do you think we should handle that? How should we handle those moments when we've done something and it hasn't worked? Just learn. I mean, one of the things that I learned, you know, and he's, he's still do, you know, none of us are perfect. Uh, we And we only learn through trying, experimenting, moving forward. This doesn't work. Always find another way. Don't ever stop. One of the things that my teacher taught me with all the, because it's not only pranic healing you learn, you learn how to work with your mind. You learn techniques to eradicate, disintegrate, and remove fears, anxieties, all these sorts of things. So pranic healing is only one arm of all the extensive teachings within the Institute of Inner Studies. So one of the things that I learned was you have to remove fears and blockages that your mind is the only thing that's creating it. You know, many people blame situations or circumstances or even other people, but really the only blockages is your mind. Your mind is a key factor to become aware of what's going on, like I did. You know, I've become aware that my analytical views and my fear of change was something that I had to remove. Then by creating the positives within me and keep going, learning and adjusting, that is the only way forward. But if you stop, ponder and sit and wonder and why, you know, like you said, the time ticks. Years go by with many people and they, 
they, then they have the wishes, oh, I wish I'd have done this and wish I'd have done that. The thing is to move your body, get your mind working for you, positive, positive all the time, and don't stop. I guess the reality is that successful people or people that we consider to be successful fail more often than the average person does anyway. Yes, indeed, yeah, because, you know, things, climate and everything, you know, we have, um, it's like any company, isn't it? They have... A process they have schedules they have a target to meet and when you're working for yourself or you're trying to build something you have to turn your life to a degree into a business now business don't always just go from the bottom up to the top there's always the fluctuations there's always the changes that have to take place and one of the biggest things that we always have to be is, yes, you have to be one-pointed in your view, you know, look at the target and go for it. But you also have to be very, very flexible in your approach to change what is needed to change. If you sit still and just keep going the same way and you don't change, like anything, it dies. You have to keep moving, keep changing, keep flexible. If you could have one superpower, Les, what would you have? Oh, um, I think one of the things that I would really love to do is to remove the fear and scepticism of new innovations, new processes and new things for us to do. Because, again, if we remove that from people's consciousness, then we as a conscious, you know, we as a human beings would develop and move so fast it would take out a lot of um, insecurities selfishness you know if you just look at it and take it as this you know there's enough things in the world for us to share there's enough riches for everyone to share as well and so if people took out that one thing of skepticism and selfishness because of uh, you know the fears and inner beliefs the whole world would change so rapidly. So if I had that superpower would be take out the fears and scepticisms out of people's minds so that everyone could have a really good life. <laughs> I've got to say, Les, I think you've made history because I've asked that question to CEOs, managing directors all over the world. And I think this is probably the first time anybody has ever said I would like to have the power to remove fear and scepticism from people's minds. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, I remember a great uh, master once said a very long time ago that we have enough, what is it? We have enough entrepreneurs and famous people. What we need more is helpers. Because if we balance the helpers with that, then life would be so much better for all of us. There wouldn't be any separation. That would be the great thing. That's one of the things I've really learned through our lives is that, you know, separation is only mainly based on fear. It's driven by fear. And if we remove that fear, then there is no separation, you know, through religion or creed or colour, whatever it may be. We're all as one trying to move forward. And that would be the greatest thing for me to do or anyone to do, not just myself, but, you know, it's a collective, isn't it, really? That's how I feel. 
very wise words. Um, let's move into the present. I have a feeling that I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Les, what motivates you? What keeps you focused and pushing forward? Um, the, the biggest thing that moves me forward, as I say, is helping people to have a good life, to change. And um, one of the things that, you know, I've studied so much about life and about the mind and how we work and how people operate. And, uh, you know, back to what I was saying earlier, but it really would, you know, for me that keeps me motivated is helping people to see the changes in their life for them to stop suffering and enjoy themselves. That's what we're here for. We're here for a very, very short period of time if we really think about it. And, you know, when you're in your 20s, you know, you're going to live forever and you can take on the world. But when you're 30, 40, you know, and off, off it goes, you start to think, oh, blimey, well, life's going fast. Life's going past pretty quick. And that's why then people in the 30s, late 30s, 40s on start to really look that there must be more to this life. So one of my biggest drivers is to get people to understand, to see the why, which we were talking about earlier, about the why of what people should do, you know, do something that they like, their passion, drive their goals, make things change and happen in their life. That's the biggest thing. I'm, I'm wondering whether um, the les of the past would have responded to this type of message because um, the, being the person you, you were, you know, when you say when you were 20 years old, would you have listened to somebody who said to you, listen, don't chase the money, chase the dream, chase your passion? Would you have, would you have agreed to that? Um, not as much, I must admit, because that's why I say a lot of people in their teens and 20s become a little bit blind. You know, we're, we're busy experimenting. You know, that's why parents have a lot of trouble with their, you know, their teenage children, because they still try to say, look, I've already been there. I know what it's like. Don't do this or don't do that. Well, that doesn't make much difference. You know, life is only a lot of the time, um, knowledge is only gained by experience. And that's why early teens, uh, teenagers and 20s, everything is experimental. But there is some wise people, you know, uh, you know, pranic healing wise and the uh, inner teachings that we teach, not only the, the healing side, but other things that we teach. You know, I've had a lot of young people now coming on board and that's how I'm trying to also get people to understand that this isn't just about healing. It's about a lifestyle. It's about knowing the inner truths to your life. What is the purpose of your life? What can give you the passion for your life? So there's not just the healing side. There's all the inner teachings, inner teachings of religion. There's um, ways to build your financial stability you know, and, and growth. So there's teachings within that. There's a technique called Arhatic Yoga, which isn't the normal yogas that you use in the gyms and so on. This is to do with the development of your mind. Uh, so it employs the seven yogas of the world. Yoga, uh, if you like, is known as union. So also you have to get past your mind or the ability for your mind to control. So the more and more people that have learned this, obviously they're telling their friends, their families, and we are getting people of the younger generations, which is fantastic, to learn this earlier on so they don't 
make all those big mistakes. They don't have all the problems. They learn early and become wiser quicker. Staying with the idea of um, influencing and helping the younger generation, let's move into the future. Let's, let's go 10 years into the future. What does the future look like for you? What will you be doing? One of the biggest things I would really love to do in the future and one of the visions I have is to create a school of this teaching, not only the, you know what we do on one side, but all the school of teaching, educate people at an early age to understand their lives, the purposes of their lives, and to create like help all the way around the world. You know, this is already in 126 countries around the world, so it's grown very fast. Um, and my biggest vision is to really employ a school of teaching, get this um, into the educational system, get it into the, um, also to the welfare system, you know, the school uh, hospitals and everywhere. So everyone can learn this to make it happen. And the vision of my teacher is to get it in every household. And so if it becomes mainstream, which it will do when every become everyone becomes more relaxed, not so skeptical then as i say people will be helped all the way around the countries that we serve in and help and people can have a better life and that's really truly is my goal and that has got to be um one of the most worthwhile goals um we've ever had on the show um i've just been handed a note saying that we've run out of time as always this this conversation i we could talk for hours and hours and hours um let's just before we uh, say goodbye, is there anybody out there listening to this uh, interview, this conversation that you'd like to say hello to? Is there anybody you'd like to give a shout out to? Um, the Well, there's so many people, but I would just really like to say um, thank you, really, to all my students, colleagues, all the pranakilis, all the volunteers, everyone that's helping this whole process to help to move this, um, these techniques and share the teachings around not only this country, around the world. That's what I'd like to dedicate it to. And you just have. Thank you very much. Les Flickcroft, it's been an amazing pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for sharing your time, your knowledge and your wisdom on Kids of Friday Game Changers. Thank you very much for welcoming me on the show. Thank you. Well, the time I've spent with Les Flickcroft reminds me of a popular saying among doctors. Now, a good doctor will tell you there's no such thing as alternative medicine. If it works, it's just called medicine. And the truth is, healing yourself is connected with healing others. This is a lesson that Game Changers that Les Flickcroft are teaching us every day. Listen, learn, and innovate. Playing us out is Jen Jevons, the founder of Brisbane-based digital agency Pixel Palace and the former writer, producer, and performer of Australia's most played radio pop song in 2001. Have a listen. See you next week.
loved this game-changing interview? Share your thoughts by posting a comment. Sharing is caring. If you don't look at me, do I disappear? And though you see these days are things I don't want to hear. I don't think that you remember. I don't think that you remember. I'm Ludwina Dordovic, the founder and CEO of The Room Exchange, and you're listening to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Listen, learn, and innovate. Please. 